0: Well, it's not the
1: same without hearing music podcast. come in. Yeah, in the background. It's already happening, it? of course. In the yeah, the magic of technology is already doing that. But, you know. it's already and doing that. Hello, people. Hello, everyone. Hello, people that still haven't unsubscribed to the podcast. <laughs> I mean, Although, frankly, it, if they stuck through with, with us through last year, uh, then Amir
0: kind of. You know, three months to a podcast is nothing. Well, we got rather distracted, didn't we, when um, uh, we were suddenly allowed out of our houses. And, uh, this is true, yes. <laughs> it was all going so well, when we were locked down first time round. Yeah, we were, through, through the first lockdown, yeah, we were we were pretty regular. Then as soon as we were allowed out of the houses, it just all fell apart. I mean, you know, there were a couple of opportunities. <laughs> we decided to do something else. <laughs> This is true, actually, yes. (laughs) Anyway, Uh, this podcast uh, is only, I think, 10 weeks later than it was meant to be, so, you know, it's not that bad. Ah, Life gets in the way, and then you find that you're locked in again, and you've got nothing to do. So there we are. Indeed. (laughs) So, we have six albums, as per
1: usual, and those are Taylor Swift Folk... Folk? Taylor Swift Folklore. That's a good start. James (laughs) Dean. God. I'm gonna oh, Literally I've forgotten how to do this.
0: <laughs> Taylor Swift
1: folklore. James Dean Bradfield, Even in Exile, Fountain's DC, A Hero's Death, Sea Girls Open Up Your Head, Crown Lands, Crown Lands, and Bruce Hornsby No Secure Connection, which might be a a warning for internet connections. All over the place. Anyway, we'll see how far we get. So we start, of course, with uh, what I believe is the eighth studio album uh, from Miss Swift. What did you think, Peter?
0: Um, yeah. So he said, it's been a beer, getting his notes in front of him." I I like this. I like this a lot. Um, I think. Yeah, I really like this album. I, it's, you know, in many ways, I was reminded of the early, earlier part of her career. Uh, mm. Obviously, before she went huge, um, you know, she always was and still is uh, such a great singer songwriter. And and back in the day, and no doubt we can bore everyone for the umpteenth time about our anecdote that seeing Taylor Swift in a moment. Um, But it was always very more of a folksy Americana sort of driven sound anyway. So actually this album is kind of really sort of scraping back all the pop of the last few years, uh, particularly, you know, the sort of overproduced. And I mean, I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all, the, the, the overproduced albums that she's been more famous for in recent times. Um, and I'm thinking the last album, back to the last album in particular. And here we have something that's a bit more strict back, um, mm. you know, as, as the title suggests. It, it does go back to that sort of folksy uh, era of her music, and um, but, but updated, of course, because there's no escaping. She is a massive star. Um, and, and I think in terms of, consequently, in terms of the production, um, I think this is a really strong album. I really liked it. More so than I thought I was going to, but I think I say that every time I listen to a Taylor Swift album, I think oh, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna lie there. <laughs> um, and actually, I always enjoy it. So there you go whether it's whether she's doing the pop princess stuff or whether she's doing this. Um, you know, she's she's a you know outstanding, talented musician. And um, yeah, I've been quite effusive already. <laughs> First album, <laughs> <laughs> yes. great, great, oh well, uh, great, great. It's quite funny it's quite funny i mean obviously when it first when it
1: first came out uh, which was probably what probably about twelve 13 weeks ago now um there were some people calling it her indie album which i thought was very funny because i thought clearly, clearly cl- 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 by people who don't understand music or indie or anything um but well, maybe clearly that was just because she'd simply because she'd worked on the album with uh, aaron desner who's a member of the band The National. So it's like, oh, she's worked with a guy who's in a band who are kind of indie. So therefore, this must be her indie album. You're thinking, mm, yeah. no. No. Not really.
0: Uh, the clue, as you say, the clue's in the name. Yeah. And Bonnie Vare on here as well, which I mean, just adds a little bit of extra cred, I think. Bonnie Vare is on here no,
1: in, in, in no, um Notes? Yeah, I mean, as, as you say, I think it's. It, it is a very. It was much more relaxed and stripped back uh, version of Taylor Swift than we've had in a, wh- a while. Um, and I think particularly strong on the opening five or six tracks. I think uh, are really really good. I um, Really love like the, the one uh, which opens the album, um, and then also last great American last great American dynasty, which I think is. Uh, the, uh, finest pop moment on the album. Mm. Um, and also like lyrics in that song as well, inspired by, um, socialite and composer Rebecca Harkness whose house Swift bought and she quickly found parallels obviously between her own life and Harkness's as somebody that was very <laughs> talked about and yeah. the kind of person that people kind of deemed to be scandalous if she did anything that was what we would classify as being a normal person. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I will say that I found it a bit long. Ah, okay. No! I did find the middle of the album, for me, was a bit kind of, hmm. Yeah, okay. Um, and wasn't grabbing me and saying, look at me quite as much as the rest of the album. Um, but it was only really a, a kind of brief lull, uh, because from about, I think, the song Mad Woman uh, back onwards, which I think is about track 12, toward from there on towards the end, it kind of brought me back in I particularly like uh, uh, the song Betty as well, um, which was part of a three song story on the album uh, following on from Cardigan and August earlier on in the record. Um, but yeah, I, I agree overall with that. I think generally speaking, it's a, it's a pretty good record.
0: Yeah. I, I, I yeah, I, I didn't find it. I didn't find it that long. Um, Maybe I just, I just, just really clicked with me. It's taken you three months to listen to it, Pete. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, that's how, that's how long it is. <laughs> I won't lie to you. I perhaps haven't been listening to it all, for the entirety of the three months. <laughs> <laughs> it might be I did some work and then I, there was a long gap and then I maybe did some more. <laughs> Indeed.
1: Moving on uh, to lead singer, guitarist of Max Street Preachers, James Dean Bradfield. His second solo album, Even in Exile. Um, And uh, this is a concept album, based on the life and death of Chilean activist, singer, poet, and uh, Che Guevara lover, uh, Victor Yara, I think is how it's pronounced, who was tortured and killed during the dictatorship of uh, Pinochet. Um, So even just saying that, it frankly goes without saying that this is quite a self um <laughs> worthy record. Um, but, you know, Simple Minds have written about this guy before. Uh, you two have written about him before. Um, so it, he's quite a well-known person in the music business for people that want to wave flags. Um, interestingly, the album's lyrics are written by Welsh poet and playwright Patrick Jones, Uh, who also just happens to be the older brother of a certain Mr. Nicky Wire, uh, which I found quite interesting. So, straight off, this is exactly the kind of album that I would expect James Dean Bradfield to make, just purely on the topic and description. And when it kicks off, the mixed-language intro, I was already groaning, to be honest. But then the main music of the opening track, uh, Rakuvera, Uh, kicks in, and, you know, things start to look up a bit, especially towards the end of the track, where I really, really love the kind of repeated guitar riff solo towards the end of that opening track. And then things stay good for the next track, and it was probably the most kind of Manix-esque album track, "A Boy From The Plantation. Mm -hmm. From then on, I was just about sold on it, really. Uh, It mixes rock, a bit of prog, a bit of spaghetti western soundtrack type of thing nicely. especially like the, the several kind of Rush influences uh, present on the song Last Song and also more predominantly on the album's best track, in my opinion, which is the instrumental Seeking the Room with the Three Windows. Um, and actually there's another instrumental piece, uh, an acoustic one under the Mimosa tree later on in the album as well, which is also really good, which has a nice touch of harmonica, uh, film soundtrack vibe to it as well. Um, so yeah, Shaky Start. But I must admit that I got much more enjoyment out of this record than I first thought I would. And all in all, it's actually a pretty decent record.
0: Yeah. I I kind of went through a a reverse experience in the beginning. Um, And I I agree with your appraisal of of the context of the album, uh, where it's come from, Uh, and, and obviously... The uh, motivation and and so on. Uh, obviously, I think it goes without saying that you wouldn't expect anything less. <laughs> yes, of James Dean profile at this point. Um, and and to that point, I think certainly I agree with you. Actually, certainly early on, it, it does feel very manic, particularly at the beginning. Um, and pro- that's pro- probably why I I actually found the beginning. I actually enjoyed the beginning more. I think than than you did by the sounds of it um it was going along quite solidly for uh you know three or four tracks, and then I sort of sort of lost momentum for me alas um but without you know denigrating the album, I think it's very thought provoking lyrically it tells a story and it tells it well, even if I think musically for me at least it was a little bit saggy in places um. But yeah. actually I I you know I it I did come sort of come round to uh you know liking some of the, the later tracks as well. Um blindly it reminds me, I haven't actually listed any of the songs I like yet, which is usually my thing. Um but yeah, it goes without saying the boy from the plantation I actually quite liked. Um There'll come a war I hmm. actually also very much liked. There you go. There you go.
1: So two down, four more to go. Uh next up is Fountains DC A Hero's Death. Um uh, and we, we obviously reviewed their debut album Dog Rule. Uh is it the start of last year? It might yeah, be the start of last year. Uh, yeah. which which we both yeah. both like quite a lot. Um so second time around, how are you feeling?
0: Um yeah. It's a solid album. Uh, it's quite, uh, and I'm trying to sort of recall, perhaps being, I was probably more positive about the first album. Um, it's quite a lo-fi downbeat sort of album. But there's enough going on to keep you interested in terms of, you know, once again, you've got the the, the, the punk the garage rock, the, the spoken word here and there as well, uh, which is great. Um I prefer second half of this album to the first half. Um, yeah. I particularly like the tracks "A Lucid Dream" and the title track "A Hero's Death," uh, which is more the spoken the spoken word sort of track or the shouted words. Sort of. mm-hmm. uh, again, I think. This is a sort. Of, I think this is a band that that could be, that probably do, uh, sound absolutely fantastic live. Not that that any of us remember what live music sounds like at this stage. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's you know I, I I can really imagine sort of being in in the the pit of some place somewhere, really enjoying this as a live experience. I think you always lose some of that. I think when you record it. Um, but yeah, no. I really, again, really, really. I said solid tonight at the start. Um, I Actually, really like this album too, um, even if it is downbeat. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Strong, strong second album. I was possibly more positive about the first, the debut, the first album. I think we, I think we, I think we both, I think yeah. we both were actually. Um, I mean, this I think feels like me, a bit more tempered. A bit
1: when well, I'm remembering. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It, as a, and when I'm remembering the first album. Um there was an element of uh, some same old tricks for me. So, you know, the endless repeated lines, and repeated musical riffs. Yeah. Which I have to confess, grated on me a bit more with this record than on their first outing. Um, it felt a tad more lazy this time around. Mm. Um, although I do say that in a month where a new ACDC albums has <laughs> yeah. come out. Yeah. Um, and to be fair, that album is far from lazy, but, you know... I can't deny that they are using some say, some of the same old musical tricks on it that they've been using for the <laughs> last, you know, half century. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I really like the opening track. Dip Long gets off to a really good start. Um, then I'm similar to You, in a way. I think my, fav- my favourite second of the album uh, is the kind of four-track uh, run from A Lucid Dream, Search Lucid Dream, You Said, A Hero's Death, um, which, having just said have a problem with repeating the same line over and over again. That's probably the most repeated same line over and over again track on the album. Um also sound a bit like the strokes, I thought that track. And Living in America, which is uh, one of the few tracks of the album that's very, very different sounding yeah. to yeah. a lot of the others. Um so yeah, I, I like you, yeah, I think it's still a really good record but doesn't quite manage to scale the heights of the debut album for me. But still still one of the better uh recent indie bands to come around. Yeah, that's fair. Moving on to, uh, speaking of indie, although slightly more on the indie pop side of things now, uh, we have the debut album by a band called Sea Girls. Uh, first off, great name. Love the uh, obvious uh, avian pronunciation fun there. Uh, it's called Open Your Head. Um, and I'm going to say, this is a pretty decent indie pop record. Um I say that whilst also saying that it never sounds especially original or unique, um, but it does deliver a pleasing collection of essentially three-and-a-half-minute indie pop tunes. You know, It kicks off well with um, Transplant, which is very much in the kind of Frank Turner Killers-esque sounding space, mm. and indeed you could argue that the Turner Killers bit continues throughout a good chunk of the rest of the album too, really. And speaking of two, but even a bit of U2, in fact, if you, get, if you uh, want to stretch it a bit. But since these acts have also written the odd catchy pop tune in their time, uh yeah. it's pretty. it's not all bad, um, the album suffers a bit for me on the negative side of the fact that the singer whose name I've written down somewhere, yeah, singer Henry Camomile, um, does have one of those voices which does sound like quite a few of the recent indie pop band singers to me. Um, so it means you are quite likely to, if you hear it on the radio, think you could be listening to Bastille or one of many other similar bands um, besides, although I doubt that's going to harm them commercially. Um, so it bounces along quite nicely in a foot-tapping indie pop anthems kind of way. Um, definitely a kind of band that I'm sure serious, serious quote-unquote indie bands probably hate. Um but also balanced with some quite fun lyrics as well uh, on a mental health side of things. Um, the song uh, Do You Really Want to Know, which great pop song, by the way, uh, has a good line. It says, I've been overthinking all my life. They'll ask me up in heaven why I fell on my knife. All my emotions are technically right, uh, but I don't want to go there and fuck up your
0: night, uh, which I quite like. Um, yeah, simple, fun indie pop record. You agree? I think it's another great indie indie album, and we've had, you know, I was thinking it was sports team, wasn't it? Um, mm. Podcast. Yes, yeah, early on the year. yes. Yeah, and uh, I think what well, your point there about, you know, uh, you know, it's sort of similar in terms of vocal, yet yet different. Um, I liked, I liked, I like the the, the the sort of the more of a leaning into a sort of nineties indie album, really, than perhaps we've had more recently. Um, I really liked the uh, the track uh All I want to hear you say. It, it kind of almost had a, a Jarvis Cocker pulp style mm. storytelling element to it. Um which again reminded me of some of those great great albums of that that sort of mid to late nineties era. Um and and it's funny when you say the popability of of Do you really want to know? Uh the riff, I don't know if you notice it's like Whitney Houston's How Do They Know. How
1: do they know?
0: Yes. <laughs> indeed. And that was the guitar. The guitar. It's like, I was like, what is that tune? And it bugged me for days. And then I listened to it again. I was like, ah, it's Whitney Houston. But well, that's, <laughs> like, well, that's also a great song, so that's fine. Exactly. Know? Uh, so I was like, this is great. This is a great, it's not only an indie album. It's got. It's got that... Sort of popability sense to it as well, so so I enjoyed that. Um, for me, again, perhaps a little. As for you, with one of the previous albums, perhaps a little on the longer side, but but actually not not by much. Um, and some, some great, uh, some great some great lyrical stories as well. Uh, some of which you have touched on already. Um, so yeah, no, I, I thought a solid solid indie record. I think we've actually done quite well this year in some of the indie albums that we're getting. It seems that we've, that sort of dearth or drought of indie albums that we complained about probably a couple of years ago, it seems to be turning a corner. Uh, we've got some great bands. Coming yeah. Through. It's just a shame. It just see seems to be true. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> yeah. No, I really like it. It's going to be, a, it's going to be a tough call on this podcast actually, because I really like that one as well. Four down, two to go.
1: Next up, I uh, think this is a debut album as well, although I think they might have had an EP out before. Um, this is Crown Lands from uh, Canada, uh, and their album called, well, Crown Lands.
0: Yeah. yeah. Imagine if it's titled. Um, uh-oh. Yeah, here we go. Um, I kept waiting for this one to click with me, but it never quite yeah. did. Um, Again, I think I keep trotting this phrase out this particular podcast, second half, definitely better. Um, we get that printed on the, the merch when we get around to that. Um, and it's... Seems... Uh, I think I probably like the first half of this one better. Did you? See, I, 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 uh... I, I can see to see why. I think the first half was much more planted in, in some of that sort of... Mm, I oh, how to how to describe it. There's sort of sort of late 80s rock influence going mm. on there. I, I I could hear it. Um whereas I think it I I found the sound perhaps settled down more into their own sound as the album went on. Um that is until the last track, which went all crazy psychedelia on me, which I wasn't expecting at all. Uh, but... um Sundance, yes. Yeah, Sundance. Sun, so, so that was, that was a, bit of a, a bit of a whoa moment for me. Um, I particularly liked, um, having said that, I particularly liked Howling Back. Um, I thought that was a great yeah. track. And uh, End of the Road as well, uh, which I think was later in the album, in that second half. But uh, yeah, yeah. as I say, never really, I never quite got, got there with this one, I have to be honest. So what did you think?
1: Uh, like it more than you do, but I've, I've changed my mind on it quite a few times in the yeah. last uh, couple yeah. of months. I mean, it's very much a if you ever wondered what the White Stripes would sound like if they had more kind of Led Zeppelin, early Sabbath kind of leanings, then yeah. Crown Lands pretty much might be the answer. Because vocally, Cody Bells certainly seems to be able to channel both early Robert Plant and Ozzy Osbourne at different parts of this record, and mm-hmm. even uh, a touch of uh, Geddy Lee and Rush. Yes, the second mention of Rush in this uh, <laughs> podcast. Canada's K- finest yeah. uh, thrown in for good measure on "Forest Song." Um, <laughs> I have to confess, I have to confess, I've played the lead track quite a few few times, uh, and it's probably the most white stripesy song on the album. Actually, uh, having mentioned them, um, and then it. They, kind of goes into a bit more of what they're trying to do themselves, I suppose, after after that. And River I really like as well. It comes straight straight after it, which I've put on a couple of playlists. Um Ledfoot is actually one of my favourite tracks on the album, partly because it has sections in it that reminded me of Shawaddy Wadi and Mud. Um although I suspect they were probably going for more of a T-Rex vibe, but you know, kind of everything. Um End of the Road you mentioned uh lyrically I quite like that since it just it seems to be uh Dealing with uh, indigenous communities in Canada and mm. their kind of persecution. Fancy that! Indigenous communities being persecuted in the country. Who'd have thought it? Um, so that was quite of interesting from a kind of lyrical perspective. Um, but yeah, it's 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 my turn to say solid. Really, it, it's a, it's a solid record. Quite enjoyed it. Um, interesting enough to make me check out uh, uh, any future releases, but the same token.
0: Yeah, fine. Cool. Not for me, Alas. So, yeah, sounds like you enjoyed it far still, better.
1: We still have a secure connection. So we will finish yeah. off uh, with Bruce Hornsby, uh, no, non-secure connection. Uh, fifth cell album uh, from Bruce Hornsby. Uh, obviously he's re- produced more albums than that, but this is a solo album in the sense that he's not with the range or the noisemakers or as part of other bands, such as the Grateful Dead and the rest of those who he's uh, released records with. Um, and as this kicks off, you can immediately tell that Justin Vernon, yes, here he is popping up at both ends of the podcast uh, is also present here uh, on Cleopatra drones, which has, like a, has a kind of Peter Gabriel yeah. vibe to it as well. Um, It's a really great way to kick off the album. Um, Although it is an album that I think definitely needs a few listens before you have any hope in hell of getting to grips with it. Um, Very experimental in nature and by far the most experimental thing on the uh, list this month, certainly as far as the construction of the songs go. And in fact, he's referenced that doing film score work for Spike Lee has kind of influenced the way this album kind of moved along. Um, so I would not describe it as an easy listening experience, <laughs> um, which is not to say that it doesn't have uh, immediacy in places. Clean Jones being a fairly uh, prime example, but also there's a, there's a couple of out-and-out, out, I suppose, traditional pop songs on the album. Their final track on the album, No Limits, and also the song that was released as a single off the album, which is um, his duet with James Mercer of the Shins, My Resolve which is a conventional pop track. Um, but it's the only conventional pop track on uh, the record. Um, there, are bits, so there are bits and pieces of the album that I like. So, so, so there's a funky track, um, which is called "Bright Star Cast, which has uh, Jamelia Woods singing and some really good guitar playing from Vernon Reed of Living Colour, which is quite interesting um it's also one of the other songs on it that's a bit more conventional is uh the the duet with leon russell anything can happen um which again sounds like it should be on a totally different album than this although uh given that apparently they recorded the demo 25 years ago it clearly was meant to be on a different album (laughs) this um i think my my general feeling of this record is that, that. It is great to see any artist, and we've said this before, experimenting and challenging themselves and, indeed, the listener. And you certainly couldn't accuse Hornsby of not doing so here. And I think there's a lot to admire in the construction and in the production and the the general kind of vibe of the record. But in its delivery, the album just kind of misses the mark too much for me, and it felt like I was having to put a lot of effort in for not getting
0: as much out yeah i concur um it 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 was a bit of a slog this one um although amusingly I've written at the top of my notes here it's it's a bit old jazz this very scott, <laughs> <laughs> but I thought you might have appreciated it better <laughs> um Again, I think second half worked better for me. I think I've said that now three times. Um, yeah. It is a bit of a slog, though. Uh, and 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 do you know what? It's almost that last track almost stands out like a sore thumb because it, it really is the, the pop track, the mainstream track, uh, and you kind of almost wish, oh, I'll tack that on the end there. <laughs> I was just getting into this. I've worked so hard as well. Um I, I, again, it's it's not without it's certainly not without merit. Um, you know, if you're prepared to give it a go. I, I quite like the track My Resolve. Um, mm. and Bright Star Cast. Uh probably the two that sort of stood out for me in terms of uh likability from a a, a P point of view. Um I also found uh the track Porn Hour <laughs> um quite quite amusing. Um, in the, the sort of the, uh, the sort of jolly juxtaposition between the, the tune, the music, uh, and the yeah. lyrics. <laughs> the sort of, I was like, Ooh, biting social commentary there. Um, so, so I, I like, I've written that down as well, but it's something that I, I like. But to be honest with you, the rest of it was pretty tough going, uh, for me. Um, so a bit of a miss, I'm afraid. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Okay. We have buzzers. <laughs> the big, que- the big question then. Oh yeah. Album of album of the podcast. Ricky. So it's clearly not Crown Lands and it's
0: clearly not uh, Ruth Hornsby. Do, <laughs> um, and, and to be honest with you, I haven't. Uh, we we've had a we had a couple of good podcasts prior to this. I think where it was really obvious. This one's a bit a bit. Tougher. Yes. Um, it's not James Dean Bradfield either. I'm afraid. Just. Far too pretentious. I'm sorry. Um, very worthy. I'm sure. And the fans of many a year will like it, but not for me. Um, it's, it's, I'm going to say Taylor Swift. It's 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 either that or Seagulls. But probably leaning more towards Taylor Swift. There you go. Who, who's thunk that?
1: I would probably say the same um, as in choice wise if I would I still would I choose Taylor Swift as well um, if I shouted downstairs and asked my opinion of the, my daughter I'm sure I would be um, instructed that the correct answer is Taylor Swift yeah um, so I'll just go with that because it makes it much life much easier in my household yeah
0: so, yeah Taylor Swift Taylor Swift hey right. Uh, which reminds me, we've not trotted through our Taylor Swift story for the umpteenth time, but uh, maybe we'll save that for another time. Maybe next time. Uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure the listeners are, are fully aware all three of them. Indeed. So
1: until next time, uh, hopefully we'll get one of these in before Christmas. Uh, yeah. Until then. Till till then.
0: Bye.